we surrender to you. Hallelujah. 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 The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here in this room. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we honor you. We give you our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Lord is worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I'm going to let you be seated before we dismiss our children. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a chance to get nervous because I'm going to put somebody on the spot. But only one person should be nervous because I already know who it is. We don't, I don't know that we ever get to hear from this young man other than when he's up here helping lead us in worship. But I want to invite Brother DeAndre to come up here and and just share with you whatever he might be feeling from the Lord. Let's make Brother DeAndre feel welcome here. Oh, praise the Lord this morning. Man, life is tough. <laughs> um, is, I'm at a point in life where I'm starting to see things, and I'm starting to realize that there's a point where some, where I have to start growing up. And a big thing that I'm starting to notice is my decisions affect more people than what I think. Um, I'm at a point where I see my family, see my friends, see a lot of people see me as someone to look up to. And it's tough because being at the age that I am, being that the environment that I'm in, there's a lot of things I'm like, oh, I want to try it. I want to see what it's like. It's not something that I'm used to, something that I'm told not to do. It's something that I'm shown not to do, that it's not healthy for me. But I see all the other kids doing it. I see that it's cool. I see that it's something that accepts you. But I was at a point where it was me and my little cousin. And he started trying to do the same things that all the other kids are doing. And it was at that moment sitting in the room crying with him and holding him. And I realized, it's not for you. It's not for anybody. And the influence that I realized that I had on other people hit hard. And just made me think about how all of us, how not just me, how other people can realize the effect that they have on other people's lives. And it's nothing that we can't get through without the grace of God. And I th I'm so thankful that I have the influence that I have from Brother Matt to my dad to Elder Flowers, from everybody who helped me see that. And I'm so thankful. Thank you. Amen. 
Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to dismiss our children to their classes, any class that's taken place, and our teachers. Why don't you all stand and just take a moment and greet someone maybe you haven't had a chance to say hi to yet. Shake someone's hand. you be returning to your to your seats I appreciate what brother DeAndre shared here we all have an influence whether we think about it or not simply because you carry a relationship with those people in your life and you when you have a relationship with the Lord that shows that shows to others. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to read here. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start at verse 3. Genesis 37 and 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they all loved him too. No? No, they did not love him because he was the most beloved. They, what does it say? They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Why don't we pray? Jesus, we thank you for your presence that we already feel here. Lord, all the great things you're working and accomplishing, Lord. Thank you for the ways that you're moving over each life and every each over each heart, Lord. God, I pray that you continue to speak and minister to us, Lord. We open our eyes to you, our hearts to you, our spirits to you. God, that you could accomplish whatever you want to do for us in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I just want to talk to you a little bit today about Joseph and his life. That's the, um, 
that's this the setting that's the uh world that joseph was born into i i think i mentioned this either last week or recently some just almost half jokingly what if you had a favorite child and and you know i don't know that we would go around broadcasting i've got five but one of them is my favorite uh, or i've got two and one of them is my favorite if you've got one that's fine you can you can allow them to be the favorite all you want but this is the environment that joseph was born into it says because he was the child of israel or, or jacob's old age so he had 11 brothers all born during his father's young age okay so so we see here joseph is automatically put at odds with his brothers through no choosing of his own joseph did not choose to be number 12 and all the seahawks fan there was your chance to say amen if you missed it <laughs> joseph did not choose to be number 12 of 12 of 12 or anywhere else in the line that's just god's choosing upon his life where he allowed him to be born and it says his brothers hated him his brothers hated joseph simply because of the love that joseph's father had for him when they observed the ways that jacob we call him jacob we call him israel by this point the lord had changed his name to israel that's why the verse we read starts with it saying israel but so when, when jacob had uh uh, just something about the, the love in his eyes, the way that maybe he held or talked to or the things that he provided to Joseph that the other brothers didn't get. Now, we can relate to this to some degree in the natural, especially uh, those of us that are, that are babies of our families. Would you raise your hand? That, that's me. I, I'm, I'm sure not the only We're in the minority here today. Man. But, you know, you, my brother would tell me when I was a baby, when I was a kid, my parents, they didn't treat, they didn't let me have all that sugar. They didn't let me do all that stuff that you, they made me go to bed and man, they, you, you just get this special treatment. So that's, that's what Joseph just was born receiving. But the ways that his brother saw it caused them to hate him. And so time progresses where we read here where he gets the coat uh he was 17 years old and uh verse 5 i'm just going to read this quickly joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more and he said unto them here i pray you this dream which i have dreamed behold we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold your sheaves stood around and made obeisance to mine his brethren said shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou have dominion over us and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words next it says he has another dream where all even the the sun and the stars and the moon everything in the sky obeyed him and he goes this time to tell his dad, Father, I just had this, I mean, I keep having these dreams. And somehow, every dream I have, 
I, I, I'm just ruling over everyone. I, I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm just out there trying to say, oh, you better obey me. I'm Joseph the might. No, it's just what he sees happening in his dream. So when he has that dream, the father says, um, maybe you shouldn't share this one with your brothers. I believe it. It's great. But I kind of noticed a trend here. Whenever you have one of these dreams and then you go and share it with them, it's like things just automatically get worse. You're digging this hole for yourself, and it's getting deeper and deeper. Well, we know through the story of Joseph's life, one day as his brothers were out in a field, he goes to join them, and while they see him coming from afar off, they say, here comes daddy's boy, here comes the favorite, here comes the chosen one. You know, we could put an end to all of this right here, right now. He's even wearing that fancy coat. We could put an end to this right now and just kind of put ourselves out of this misery that, that he's caused us to have. And so they, they first want to rise up and just kill him. Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and says, No, there should, we shouldn't shed any blood over this. Why don't we just take him and, and, and hide him? Lock him away. Throw him in this pit. He th they throw him in the pit. They do rip off his, his coat. Most of you are familiar with this part of the story. They rip off his coat. They take it to his father and say, Your son is dead. He was uh, attacked by wild animals. Jo uh, Jacob sees the coat, believes the story, and he immediately enters this uh, time of grief um, that f from what he perceives has happened. And... I'm skipping ahead to try and save some time, but you know the story of Joseph when he's taken out of the pit and he's sold into slavery. At the time that he's sold into slavery, the brothers know the truth. The father does not know the truth. And through Joseph's life, he, he uh, progresses from... I was thinking this as we sang that song, all of my life in every season, you're still God. Joseph, man, he is the epitome of going through seasons in life because he goes from being the favorite child to the hated brother to the slave sold in slavery to uh, rising to second in command in Potiphar's house and then being sold in or being thrown in prison. And he goes through all of the he, he's in seasons of his life there. But we know that Joseph in each of those seasons, he retained that relationship with God. Lord, whether I'm in the field, whether I'm with my brothers, with my father, whether I'm in the pit or in slavery or in prison, wherever it is, I believe, I choose to believe that you are still God. And I am choosing to keep this relationship with you because Joseph knows from those dreams and the things that his father has said and all that he's experienced he has a plan and a purpose for his life. If it has never, I want you to hear me. If it has never been spoken to you that God has a particular plan and purpose for your life, hear me today, he does. All of us, each and every one of you, there are promises on your life. There are plans for your life. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. 
how smart you think you are or how smart you think you are not. What family you're a part of. What order of the children you were born in or you're the only child. None of that is a deterrent to the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, we, could, we, we can use his other brothers even as an example of this because in case you didn't notice this, this we, we hear this often when we talk about other passages of Scripture. What we're talking about today are the children of Israel. Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he had children. Now, because we, we know that, you know, the Moses story and the, the, the wilderness and all that, those are all the children of Israel. Well, we are talking about the 12 that made up the original children. So I can't go over to, to Reuben or to Dan or any one of those other ones and say, man, you really messed up selling Joseph, throwing him. I don't even think God has a plan for your life. I don't even think God can use you because of the things that you've done. And all you've done is work against what God wants to do. Newsflash, every one of those 12 had tribes born unto them. We're a a large part of the work that God was going to continue to do that even to this day still exists. Simply because of promises. And that's what I'm here to tell you today. There is a promise on your life. Okay, we're not hearing it yet. I'm going to talk to the females for a minute. <laughs> this is, I, now, I, I, I'm not the authority on this issue. But I do have three daughters and two sons. Do the math, that's a full house. We, re, we, we talk about Israel's sons. We think about scriptures that say sons of God. And we, 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 we think the ultimate is to be a man of God. You as a female are not allowed to write yourself off from any of that book. Any of it. We have to have someone to keep us in line in case you didn't notice that. Men, say amen. Amen. If if we just had, next Saturday we had a men's event here, only the men here. And then Saturday after that was the women's, all the women's. Think about how different those two events were going to look just by the nature of it. Guys, we're probably not going to get a lot of stuff done, but we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Women, I don't know how much fun you'd have, but I know you'd get some stuff done. So we have to balance each other out in such a degree. But to say that you have a promise on your life, it applies across the board, regardless of age, race, gender. It applies to everyone. Now, I'm telling you that, you, that God has a promise and a plan for your life. That's me doing my part. 
His spirit is here. We are speaking the word of God. He's doing his part. Your part is to believe it, to accept it, to receive it, and then to live it, to foster it. This is, God, you do have a plan for my life. I know what it's like to wake up on a day and think, do I even have to go through with this day? What is there good? What possible good can come of this day? I mean, if I just even think about the note that I ended on last night and I have to pick up there and resume a day from there, I don't, I, I don't even want to do it. Today, what I'm telling you applies to that day. When you can't see one possible good outcome from your day, God still has a plan a purpose for your life. So Joseph sees, I know God has a plan for me. I know he's got a purpose for me. It's what's going to keep me through these, these pits in my life, the seasons of, uh, uh, of being in prison and, and all of this. And now we, we realize um, Joseph's brothers are sent to Egypt. I'm fast-forwarding in this story because there is a great famine going on in the land. So his brothers are sent to Egypt to buy food because they've run out of it everywhere else. Now, through the process of, of God putting Joseph in one place after the other after the other, Joseph, God had given Joseph the wisdom to prepare for this famine. And so Joseph sees his brothers approach. I love how human Joseph is in this story because we see all the great and awesome men. He's so wise and he's, he, he's got the favor of God and everything. But he's put into a position that if I did ask for a show of hands, probably a lot of us would say, I would love to be in the position to exact revenge on people that have wronged me. I would love to be in the position to get revenge. Joseph is put in the position to get revenge when he sees his brothers approach. They're going, I, I kind of picture this some... Uh, on, on a much grander scale, a turkey drive because of just the tables out there and people are coming through and I need food, we need food and and they're asking and they're each asked, uh, what's your family size? You know how how much do you need? And they're taken according to their need. And when Joseph overhears and sees that his brothers coming through and he recognizes them, Joseph decides, oh, it's pop quiz time. See, they don't recognize that it's Joseph. He knows it's them. They don't know it's him. So he says, how many are in your family? Well, there's 12 brothers. Ooh, 12 brothers, you say. See, Joseph doesn't know about the little guy, Benjamin. You have 12 brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hang on, let me count. He does a quick count. He only gets 11. Where is this 12th brother? 
he's at home with, with our father. The father wouldn't allow him to come on this trip. And Joseph said, uh, this is how I imagined it in my head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out on this right now. Bring that boy to me. And they're going to think, oh, oh, no, no, he knows that it's us. And, and there is no 12th brother. Well, there really was a 12th, 12th brother. So they go back. They tell the father, we can only go back and get more food and continue to live if we take Benjamin with us. Otherwise, this is it. And however long this lasts, that's how, that's how much food we have. And the father says, no, yeah, I, I've lost one already. I've lost my baby. And then thankfully, through the grace of God, he gave me this last one. There is no way I'm letting you take him. They convince him. If we don't take him, we can't go back. Because he said, well, the only way you can come back here is if you bring him with you. Just so Jacob's put in this position, okay. And Judah steps up and says, Father, I will, he uses this term, I will be your surety. I will be your pledge. I will be the responsible party here. If Benjamin does not make it back to you, I take full responsibility for that. Lock that in your head for just a minute because we're going to come back to that, I believe. So, so Jacob allows him to go. They all go. They, they, they come back to, to Joseph. And Joseph says, oh, I remember these guys. This was the 11 brothers. And yeah, it looks like they do have one more with him. What's your name, by the way? And Joseph meets Benjamin. I want you to read this because I, I love the way that this, this passage puts it. So we're in, in Genesis 43 now, verse 29. Genesis 43 and 29. And he, that's Joseph, lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Now, we know a little bit about blended families, right? Joseph and Benjamin were the only two full-blooded brothers out of that whole tribe. Remember it says his mother's son? They all had Jacob as their dad. But something happens when Joseph sees Benjamin for the first time. You are my brother. Now, he couldn't give it away. Joseph had perfected this poker face by now. He couldn't give it away, but verse 30, it says, Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. He, he wanted to fall and hug him and embrace him and tell him the whole story. You are my brother. I have so much to tell you. But he turns... He sought where to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. And then the wheels are still turning. What am I going to do about this situation? 
How am I? I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I have a brother. My father is still alive who thinks I've been dead for so many years. I have those brothers and we are not on the best of terms still. See, sometimes we don't want to really think about how real and true the Bible can be and relevant to us. I don't know if you have a sibling and I don't know if maybe you're the one person in the room that's always been on good speaking terms with that sibling. Most of us with a sibling, somewhere in life, we have this little thing that they call a sibling rivalry or an argument. I see a brother and a sister sitting right here on the front row. I guarantee, I don't know them very well or for that long, but I guarantee you they have not walked through life hand in hand and just joined at the hip, never had a false word to one another, never had an argument between each other. I mean, you just take the last cookie and all of a sudden you find out how much you love or hate your brother or sister. So Joseph is sitting there thinking, what am I going to do about this? He goes out. He says, uh, we'll read it here. Verse 31. He washed his face, went out, refrained himself and said, set on bread. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for, for the Egyptians, which did eat with him by themselves. Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. So they just all got enough food to have a little dinner. They sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled at one another. So he's got his brothers there in line, oldest to youngest. Enough bread for each of them. Now, just a a nice little humanity glimpse again. Verse 34, he took and sent messes, that's that's food, unto them from before him. And Benjamin's mess, how much food Benjamin had, was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Now, I don't don't doubt that Joseph was probably going to try and see if he could rile some of that up in his brothers again. I remember you boys. I remember how much you hated me simply because I was given favor. Let's put this to the test. See how much you've grown. There you go, Reuben. There you go. I apologize. I don't have all these names memorized off the top of my head. Gets down to Benjamin. Ooh, here you go. Puts it all on him. And I can imagine Joseph. You see how much he's got? You don't have any problem with that? All right, very good. You've grown. We're moving on then. Now he says, that's not enough. I mean, I'm great. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm happy they moved on. And I'm re- glad I got this brother Benjamin and everything. But no, I, I, I need to get closure in this situation. I need to... I, I, I need to let them know who I am. What God has done here. And so he devises another plan. 
They're, he knows they're going to head back out to their home the next day. They each have their, their bags and their sacks full of the stuff they came to get and they're going to take home. And Joseph tells one of his servants, take my cup, my silver cup, my special one, and just slip it into the bag of the youngest brother without anybody knowing. So it's done. And then they head out of town. It says they, Joseph just let them get a little ways out. And then he goes back. It's kind of like a change of heart, a different story here. Because now he's got the guards with him. And he approaches them and says, You men, who do you think you are? I came in here. I treated you well. I gave you all part of my table. And you turn and you steal from me. And the, the, all of the brethren are like, Did you? I didn't steal. We wouldn't do that. That's not us. Didn't happen. Search their things. And they find the silver cup in Benjamin's bag. At this moment, I can't imagine what's going through the minds of every single person in, in that company. Except, I, Benjamin... I can imagine what's going through his head. I did not put that there. This is a setup. And Joseph sees, this is my opportunity to put things back together. To put things back in order. You know, the Lord loves to restore. I mean, he is the creator the almighty creator. But if you think about it, he's really right now only limited to creating one human being at a time. When, when a new child is born, boom, there's another creation. So now, he's in the role of restorer. Because like you and like me, we, we, are, we are his creation, but we don't necessarily keep his creation in the best working shape all the time. I mean, he would love to just have the original. You, maybe, maybe you've seen this. If Brother Johnstone was here right now, he could talk to you about some cars and restoring and original. If you've ever been in one of those conversations, you know he knows what he's talking about. But you take... I'm gonna, I'm, I'll give you one of mine. Not one of my cars. I mean, a, a car that I like. You take a 1965 Chevrolet Corvette. They were rounder at the time, right? You, if, if the manufacturer created that thing, and it, you know it is a sweet car. Red paint, white lining, white wall tires, white leather interior, white leather interior, wood grain steering wheel. All, I mean, just the works. You put... Okay, I'll just, you put the Flowers family in that thing and have them drive it back and forth to McDonald's a couple of times. Whew. That thing is not going to be, it's not going to hold the value as if you really, really took care of it. But then you take it to somebody that can restore it. And that person who is the restorer knows I had a plan for this. 
I had intentions for this. This is supposed to look like this. And Joseph, he's allowing the restorer to work at this point. I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 45. No, I'm not. Chapter 44. Now they, they, they go back, or, or they come back to Joseph. Joseph is having a conversation with Judah, one of the brothers now. Judah is the one that has to recall, you, you cannot, you cannot put this young man to death. We have seen what happened to his father when he thought he lost a child. And before dad let us leave with Benjamin, he said, if anything happens to Benjamin, you are going to put my gray hairs in the grave. I will not, I cannot live through another one of these. So Judah is pleading the case to Joseph to save and spare the life of Benjamin. Here's your side note. We know that Judah represents praise. That's the name, that's the term where we get the ter- our term for praise and what we do when we praise. So imagine this is your praise for a minute and the role that it plays in your life. When your life is put to a life and death situation, you deserve to die because of this penalty. Whoever it is that's in charge tells you, you've broken this rule, now you're going to die. Your praise, your Judah, is the one that gets in between and says... I am the responsible party. I am the one whose neck is on the line. Now, if, there, if for no other reason than when I understand what this really means, I should be able to praise God at any time, in any, situ- in any situation, any circumstance. Because Judah had the ability to say, this I've just been going along with things up till this point. But now is my turn to speak up. Now is my turn to speak up. If I don't speak up, I know what's going to happen. And we think praising God... Is all just about things going great. We, we, because we use the term praise, and we, we, in every other facet of life, we only use the term praise to, to praise someone for doing a job well done, right? You get praise when you do good. So then we, <laughs> so then we bring that mentality into church. You get praise when you do good. I'm waiting. Where's the good? 
doesn't work that way. That's why I said in every situation, I should be able to praise because I know that my praise, is, I got to use the King James here. My praise is the surety. My praise is what's on the line. Verse 40, chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there he stood. There stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Why don't you stand with me? I'm coming to a close here. He wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. You want to talk about ripping the mask off. The brothers, up until this point, still had no idea that that was Joseph. No idea what happened to him from the day they sold him into slavery. In their minds, best case scenario, he's still a slave somewhere. But more, more likely, he's probably dead. I don't know what the, the, uh, the lifespan of slaves were in that time, but I'm sure it was not very long. So here they see this man who has provided for them. And he says, I am Joseph. Verse 4, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Now, I just, I have to say this. You and you alone cannot mess up God's plan. You cannot mess up his plan. You can take your life and make it look like all kinds of mess. But his plan, his ultimate plan, The, the enemy would love to come to you and say, your, your part's over, finished. You, you've made a mess out of this situation and you can't make, do anything to make it any better. It's already at the point where you should just give up. Just give up. 
I don't know who it is, but somebody in this room has heard those words. Just give up. What if Joseph would have told his brothers, all of you can just give up. Just go home. The, the mess that you did, what you, the, the situation you've put us all in was so terrible that now you can just give up. See, if we're human, we'd lo- this is where I, the part where I said we'd love to have revenge. If he was just human and just operating with, outside of the grace and the plan of God, he could have told his brothers, na 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 You see what you thought you could do to me? But that's not what he told him. God did send me before you to preserve life. Verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Time to restore. Time to restore what you thought was a mess, what you thought was hopeless, what you thought could not end in any positive outcome it's time to restore that I believe that's the the work that the Lord wants to do here today could we just pray for a moment come on this altar is open if you want to come and pray before the Lord I encourage you find a place to pray and let the Lord do his work today the work that he wants to do over us God who takes our burdens and then he redeems he is the God who forgives he is the God who knows every word of our desires and he satisfies our souls and time all of your benefits and I won't forget praise the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me oh Come on, the Lord wants to restore you. He wants to restore you right now. We just need to receive it. Lord, we receive the work that you're doing in our life. We receive the work that you've begun this day, Father. We receive it, Lord. We make ourselves available and open to it, Jesus. The work that you want to do in our lives. The work that you want to do in my life. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Can we all stand together? Hallelujah. 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 Just remember, he's the one that wants to restore us. He's the one that wants to restore us. He has a plan for your life. 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 Father, we make ourselves open and available to your plan. The ways that you want to use us. The things you want to accomplish in us. Lord, you know what every day looks like for each person here. Jesus, you know the plan. You know the things you want to accomplish in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Lord, even the children that are here today, you have a plan for their life. You have a plan for each one of us, Father. Jesus, we want to see your will be done. We want to see your plan accomplished. In the name of Jesus, you're the one that gives wholeness. You're the one that gives restoration and peace. You're the one, Father, that gives all of that that we need. We thank you for it today. Can we give the Lord some thanks today? Lord, we thank you for it today. We give you thanks, Father, for being good to us, for loving us. Hallelujah. 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 You know, we say oftentimes, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. I, and I, it took a while for that. I guess I'm kind of hard-headed. It took a while for that to sink in to me. Because I thought, well, yeah, if you, if you look at a book, that's the beginning, that's the end. And I just thought, well, he could differentiate between the two. But really what it means is, at the beginning, he knows the end. He knows the end. From the very beginning, he knows the end. I don't know how many different ways I can say that. But at the beginning, he knows what the end's going to look like. He's the one that knows the end from the beginning. I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time. Prepare yourselves to, to give today.